Welcome to Engage, a series for women in agribusiness. This update is made possible by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Dow AgriSciences, Thunder Seed, Black Gold Farms, North Dakota Soybean Council, Peterson Farms Seed, and the North Dakota Grain Growers Association. Now, here's our host, Kara Hart. Today on Engage, we're visiting with the Global Cotton and Specialty Crops Technology Lead at Monsanto, Shannon Hoff, and you are a Minnesota gal. Yes, I am. I grew up on a corn, soy, and livestock farm in southern Minnesota. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, complete both my master's and Ph.D. degree uh, at North Dakota State University, and, you know, it was uh, a tremendous six years. Um, you know, the education I received at uh, North Dakota was, you know, really second to none. Um, the relationships I built, uh, and it's nice because now the role I'm in uh, with all the crops that I lead, that you know now we have collaborations with the same uh, individuals that I was able to look at, you know, mentors and coaches. Uh, so it's it's really a good opportunity for me to give back uh, to the university that gave me so much uh, through both a master's and PhD. So you live in St. Louis now, and tell us a little bit more, more about what you do with Monsanto. Yep. Uh, so I live in St. Louis. I've been in St. Louis since uh, 2008. I've done a number of different things. I've been there 14 years, and I've had eight different roles. Uh, for the last three and a half years, um, I've led the technology strategy. Uh, my team, there's a group of eight. Each of them have a different crop or a different platform. And at Monsanto, our platforms really look at um, insect management, uh, weed control, uh, and disease management. And we built a 20-year strategy uh, across crop and across platform that really thinks about what are all the tools that we can use to solve a problem. And so we obviously have crop protection, we have biotechnology, we have plant breeding methods, we have gene editing, uh, we have climate or data science solutions. And my team really thinks about what are going to be the needs of the farmers in 20 years, and then how are we going to solve those needs? So it's very much a forward-looking um, type of role. It's a job that I've loved, and I've got to work in a number of different crops, um, crops that I was very familiar with, um, like wheat, having been in North Dakota, uh, as I said, for six years. Uh, but then new crops, uh, cotton. Uh, I've now spent half my career in Monsanto working in cotton, um, having never been in a cotton field until I joined Monsanto, so uh, the opportunities have been endless. Weed management, especially against resistant weeds, is huge. How much of your job now is tied into uh, work with dicamba, things like that? Yep, so a big piece of uh, my career and my current role is certainly uh, related to dicamba and the Extend platform. Uh, the original, when I originally moved to St. Louis in 2008, it was to lead our chemistry team. And our focus at that time in 2008 uh, was on weed resistance management, and specifically around glyphosate-resistant Palmer pigweed, which happened to be in the south in cotton, and that's how I got into cotton. Uh, but at that time, we were really focused on how do we provide farmers solution to a really challenging problem that they are having. And so... You know, we worked with academics to really align on a recommendation. And the really neat part about this was we launched a program called Roundup Ready Plus. And we promoted, along with academics, their recommendation and provided rebates on chemistries that Monsanto didn't sell. Because by and large, as you know, Monsanto is a seeds and traits company. 
Uh, we didn't have a lot of chemistry solutions that these farmers needed to control the weeds. And so we needed to partner with academics on the recommendation and on training and education. And we needed to partner with chemistry companies to provide them the solutions. And so uh, certainly that was a long effort and it didn't come together in one year. It came together over a period of time. Uh, but that's a program that I think has been incredibly successful, not just in cotton, uh, but we've been able to use it in the Midwest as well. Because while weed resistance was really prevalent in the 2008 timeframe in the South, uh, certainly, as you know, it's become prevalent as we move north into the upper Midwest as well. The good thing is, um, the role I had previ previous to this was the Global Dicamba Lead. And so I was responsible for preparing our organization uh, for the Dicamba launch or the ex launch of the Extend platform. And as we look at solutions for farmers, you know, that, that's a really good solution. And I think um, certainly if you drive around, you can see the fields that have exceptional weed control this year where farmers were able to use uh, dicamba, whether it's uh, Extend Max or another uh, formulation like Ingenia. Um, you know, we're able to get uh, farmers the weed control that they've been looking for in recent years. How are you working to overcome the challenge with the new dicamba technology and acceptance of that? Yep. So there's a you know a couple different paths. One is you know reaching out and trying to really understand uh, where there were issues, what happened, um, and so you know we've followed up on all of the calls that we've had uh, to Monsanto, and really understanding you know you know were the right practices in place, whether it be nozzles or the formulation, um, going through a list of really, you know, asking applicators if the right things were used. So trying to really understand, um, was everything done? Because what I can tell you is the smallest mistake in dicamba um, can have an impact that you can see. Um, second is really understanding what growers did right. Um, I think, you know, the, the challenge with what we when I wake up every morning and you see a headline, it's about what went wrong. Uh, interestingly, there was a headline two days ago out of North Carolina about um, Dr. Alan York talking about what went right. And, you know, in North Carolina, they had 14 complaints of which um, none of them were on fruits and vegetables. And everybody thought that's probably where the complaints would be. And, you know, his point was is growers did a lot of right things. And the ones that didn't probably we're not doing things in the way that they should have been. And he talks about that. Uh, same thing as we look at Georgia, where we had mandatory training in place. Um, and I will say, I on Friday afternoon, I spent uh, the afternoon with one of our customers in Arkansas, where we've had a lot of complaints, right? We didn't sell a formulation in Arkansas, so we've not been part of that process. Uh, but I spent the afternoon with a grower who had 30,000 acres of extent, and not one problem. And so we know farmers are doing the right thing, and we need to be able to translate what it was that those farmers, where we have not the issues, and help understand what did they do that maybe perhaps where we had issues, um, what, what were the differences? And so those are really the two paths, helping identify what was wrong and the complaints we've been able to have, but then also really working towards, we know we had a lot of farmers who had an exceptional experience, what did they do differently? So looking back on maybe when you were a student in college, uh, how, how did you 
get to where you are now and did you have a dream to be where you are now and handling big business like this because it's kind of a big deal yeah yeah no well when I look back um, you know certainly I had big aspirations of what I wanted to do uh, with my career but I would I can assure you I never thought I would be where I'm at 14 years into my career um, I've had a lot of people who've cared as much about my career as I've cared about my career um, and that's been incredibly important, you know, to make sure you have sponsors along the way. Um, in addition to that, you know, I think about all the opportunities a big company like Monsanto gives its people. Um, I grew up on a corn, soy, and livestock farm. I lived in North Dakota, and I'm leading Monsanto's global cotton business. That doesn't happen unless you have a lot of people who can help you along the way. Um, you know, and I led the U.S. cotton business back from 2010 to 2011. And the support I had in leading a business, you know, I wasn't from a farm that had cotton. I didn't spend any time in the South where there was cotton. Um, and to still have those relationships five years later um, and spending three days back in Mississippi and Arkansas last week visiting with the customers um, that I spent so much time with when I was leading that business back in 2010 to 12. Um, so there's been tremendous opportunity and I'm excited for what maybe the next 14 years will bring. Where do you see the opportunity for women in at the agribusiness sector in the next few years, maybe short term and long term? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, women in ag, you can do anything. Um, certainly the number of women in ag are few. Well, the number in agriculture is few, men and women. Um, this is not uh, a career that's, um, you know, it's hard work. You know, I think about my first job coming out of graduate school. Um, it's hard, and I grew up on a farm, and my mom farmed alongside my dad, and so I didn't know any different, um, but it's hard. I'm, you know, I spent my first two years in the field. I fixed equipment. I threw 50-pound bags of soybeans and corn. Um, I hauled equipment on trailers. I worked long hours. Um, you know, I drove the combine at our research farm. I planted the soybeans. You know, this is not a job that you grow up as a kid and aspire to say, yeah, I want to wake up, put on jeans and boots and a shirt and get dirty all day long. And it's hard work. Uh, and so I think, you know, that becomes the challenge of how do we attract people into agriculture. And I think about you know, even the near term or long term, we're going to see people come into agriculture who didn't come from a farm because, frankly, there are no more, f you know, kids are leaving the farm. There were four of us kids in our family, and we'll be lucky if one goes back to the farm. Uh, we're all trained in agriculture. Uh, we're all with big companies in agriculture, but I'm not sure any of us are going to go back to the farm, and that's happening everywhere. My husband grew up in a family of four. None of them went back to the farm. Um, two of them ended up in agriculture, but it just it shows you that people are moving off the farm. So where are kids going to come from? They're going to come into agriculture through new technologies like data science. And that attracts an entire different set of people, people who have degrees uh, in math and engineering. So you know, yes, absolutely. Uh, come from big cities. Uh, and I think that'll be exciting because it'll be a nice blend of people who understand agriculture because you can't lose really the understanding of what our customers do, uh, but also people who will bring new ideas in. So I think we have to attract that type of talent, um, you know, because there are not, like I mentioned, uh, the, the number of farm kids is getting small. What um, Monsanto-wise, I know research is huge for Monsanto, 
uh, so STEM and the future is bright for women in STEM, I guess. Yep, so we have a lot of efforts in Monsanto around STEM initiatives. We do internal efforts around promoting women. We have an organization that I'm the executive sponsor for called Women in Science. Uh, we have, I think now touching about 500 members internally in St. Louis, focused on really developing and supporting our women in Monsanto, but then also what can we do for young girls outside of Monsanto? How can we get them engaged to be interested in STEM? You know, whether it's the sciences, uh, whether it's engineering, uh, math. I mean, we want them to be interested in something um, that's really challenging and certainly things that Monsanto's looking for. I mean, you know, we look hard to find engineers and chemists uh, that are women. And we have, you know, and I think about some of our some of the best scientists we have that roam the halls of uh, Chesterfield, where we have our global hub for research and development, um, they are women scientists, uh, partnered alongside our, our men scientists. And so we want to make sure we continue both to develop women internally, but then how do we partner with colleges and also with high schools and grade schools to develop uh, young girls uh, to be interested in the sciences. Do you have any advice for anyone interested in a career in agriculture? You know, for me, if I think about, um, you know, kids that are looking for roles uh, in companies, you know, whether it's a big company like Monsanto or a smaller company, it's uh, really get out and network. You know, I think about, I got into Monsanto because I knew people at Monsanto. And I had interviewed with two of the other big companies, um, and I was interested, and certainly I wanted, I had my mindset on I was going to work for Monsanto. Uh, and so I made sure I knew people who were at Monsanto that could influence that decision uh, of when I came out of graduate school. Because when I came out of graduate school, people were not hiring. It was 2003. We were in the midst of a cycle. We're in, in the midst of now, which was there was a lot of consolidation, similar to now. Uh, but even as companies are consolidating, there's always room for really good talent. And I think that's the really important piece is network and really demonstrate to those that you're networking, you know, what you can deliver, you know, why you're important to the company, but then what you can gain back from that company. This special series is produced by the Red River Farm Network. Thanks to these supporters, the North Dakota Grain Growers Association, Thunder Seed, Black Gold Farms, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Dow AgriSciences, North Dakota Soybean Council, and Peterson Farms Seed.